0: Welcome to the Metamorphosis with Michelle podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Kessel. I'm an integrative health practitioner and certified brain rewiring coach. And on this podcast, I'm going to be diving deep into all things personal growth and development, brain rewiring, health and wellness, and spirituality. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy 4th of July if you celebrate, if you're listening to this when it came out, the 4th of July weekend just passed, so that's why I'm saying it, it's not super random. I personally just love this week in the year because it's my birthday, it's the 4th of July, it's like the first week where it really feels like summer because there's a lot of June gloom in San Diego that always clears up. So it's a beautiful week and yeah, I feel really nourished and lit up and excited to get back into the swing of things. So I hope you enjoyed your weekend as well. So today's episode is so interesting. Lauren who is the guest is such a wealth of knowledge and we cover so many topics ranging from your identity your intuition brain rewiring overcoming habits that are keeping you in the patterns and programming you want to escape from and it's just an amazing conversation that you will 100 percent benefit from even if you know nothing about these topics. So before we dive into the juice, I do want to share that I have the final week of my birthday sale running, which is a two-hour deep dive coaching session for 40% off its original price. So instead of six ninety-seven, dollars is $444 for a two-hour intensive with me where we will go over nutrition assessment for your specific body type and goals, custom supplement plan targeted for your specific imbalances. So whether you're struggling with bloating, constipation, hormone issues, whatever that is, we'll get a plan tailored for you. And we'll also work on some reprogramming. So this is such a special offer because you will walk away with an action plan of exactly how to take care of your body and brain within two hours. If you want to start your summer feeling amazing in your body but aren't ready to commit to a coaching package and this special deal is for you, it will never be offered again, especially at this rate. So jump on it because it expires on July 10th. The link to book will be in the show notes or on my Instagram at it's Michelle Kessel. And now let's get into this week's show. Welcome back to another episode of the Metamorphosis with Michelle podcast. Today I am bringing a lovely guest. Her name is Lauren Russ Constant, and she is an identity coach. So Lauren has such a fascinating background um, coming from like Harvard and coaching. So I'll let her kind of explain a little bit more because I don't want to take any credit away from her amazing gifts.
1: Oh, thank you so much for such a beautiful introduction. Hi, friends. I'm so happy to be here hanging out with you all. Um, yeah, where do I start? So as you may be able to tell from the accent, I'm from the UK. Uh, I lived there for most of my life and then moved out to Toronto in Canada a few years ago. And I guess the journey in me getting out here is kind of reflected in some of the work I do. So for those of you that can't see me, uh, I'm also mixed race. Um, I have a wonderful family that I come from, blended family, white mom, black dad. Um, But for me growing up as a kid, I couldn't see myself fully reflected. Like I had to navigate a lot of identity stuff growing up, not fully knowing where I fit in. I was surrounded by so much love and support, but as a child, for the first seven years of our lives, we're kind of subconscious sponges, which means we don't really have a critical faculty. We don't have that ability to be rational and analyze. We see what we see and it comes in as fact. And for me, what I saw was that I was always different. I was always the old one out. Um, I didn't really know where I belonged. And so I dealt with that by learning to adapt to what other people needed me to be. So I became a professional people pleaser and I would abandon myself to fit in and I would become what anyone needed me to be. And again, being mixed, you can walk into a room and every room you walk in, someone could see you differently. To some people, I'm not black enough. To some people, I wasn't white enough. And so as a child, the learned behavior was that my identity was something that I looked for outside of myself. And there was this feeling of something missing that again, I looked for outside of myself and buried myself in growth and perfectionism and self-development. And um, yeah, it didn't, and well for me um but I hit this point in my life where there was this voice that you know I knew that something had to change that there was something different there was more that I wanted to know about myself and and kind of deepen my understanding of self and from the personal journey that kind of led to the professional journey because a lot of the work I did in understanding self and identity and the brain and the subconscious um me down an incredible path which ended up with me basically quitting my life in the UK, uh, applying for a visa on a whim, getting accepted, moving to Canada with two suitcases, didn't know anyone, didn't have a job uh, and just figuring it out and really becoming the version and the person that I knew that I wanted to be and the person that I chose to be. And yeah, two years later living in my dream flat, living my dream life, two businesses, still very much working it out as it's a lifelong journey Um, but yeah, building a love that, a life that I love and and a life that I choose as the version that I choose to be.
0: I love that so much. I can totally relate. So (laughs) I'm curious. So you mentioned you just had this moment where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to change. I'm going to become this better version of myself. Mm -hmm. What kind of sparked that moment?
1: Mm -hmm. I think, I think I knew for a long time I think I existed always knowing that maybe I wasn't really being my true self. Like, and I think that's such a big abstract phrase, like true self, what is that? And I think something I very intentionally fight is this concept of like finding yourself. Like I did the whole go travel for six months and, and felt like I would find myself on the other side of the world. And for some people that works, but for me actually what really worked was me standing still right where I was in my life and actually looking inwards instead of leaving and chasing something outside of myself. It was getting comfortable and learning how to listen to the voice inside of myself. So I think to your question, I think I'd always known that I didn't show up fully for myself or I played small or I quieted my voice through fear of making somebody else feel uncomfortable. And it's that, and it's, I wish that I could say there was this like one moment where everything changed, but actually it was a compounding amount of times. I went for a period where every day I would wake up and I I was living a wonderful life. I was in an amazing relationship with a wonderful human doing the job of my dreams, surrounded by my best friends, living in a beautiful flat. Like I think that was it. I had done all of the things I was told should make me happy, right? And I realized that even with all these things, there was still this feeling of like, this isn't it. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. I feel kind of trapped. And I feel like there's a part of me that I just need to explore. And I guess maybe I went for a period of weeks where every day it was the last thing I think about before I went to bed and I'd wake up and it would be there. And it's like, again, a lot of what I do is the brain science and that makes sense is that for many of us, we try and change who we are from who we've been so our brain is like an artifact of the past so it just keeps rerunning these same beliefs and thoughts and patterns and that was what was happening to me with I was like going to bed being like oh there's something not right but I don't want to change it like ignore it and then wake up and it'll be the same like okay this is a great life but something's not right and one day um, I, I guess I just snapped and funnily enough the story was I was with my dad and uh, I was talking to him about everything. And he said, go to my bookshelf, pick up any random book and open a page and see what the page says. So I pick up this book and the book was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, which is since now one of my favorite books. I'd never read it before. And I opened this page and it basically said that like, our life should be comprised of loads of different boxes, like hobbies, friends, passions, love, fitness. It shouldn't just be one thing. And I read that page realizing that I'd got to a point where my life just resolved, revolved around my relationship. And my job and that was it and so I opened this page and I realized like maybe this is my sign like maybe I need to take a step back and figure out what all those other boxes are for me um so yeah I then went back to my place that I was living in with my partner ended the relationship moved back in with my mom and then yeah just figured it out from there
0: that's amazing yeah I feel like that's so relatable to anyone just because of how our society is structured. It's like mm-hmm. you go to school, you get the job, you find the relationship, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But where do we ever learn to find ourselves and mm-hmm. what we like? It's mm-hmm. not something that's part of the quote unquote normal timeline that society has us on. Mm-hmm.
1: So, oh,
0: yeah. No, I love uh, that you said that. Yeah. So, when you're like working with someone or kind of guiding someone to find themselves, how do you kind of steer them on this other timeline where finding themselves is the priority?
1: Yeah, I guess so. For me, I I think of the distinction in the context of like self-development, which is something that I would, you know, myself on being someone that was like, I love self-development. And I, I do love self-development. I'm not firing shots at self-development. Having said that, I think I got to a period where I realized sometimes the work is actually stopping and realizing and asking yourself, why do I constantly feel like I need to develop? Like, why do I constantly feel like how I am right now isn't enough? Why, what is it that I'm chasing on the other side of this book or this podcast or this course? Because often there's a feeling of emptiness or there's a feeling that there is this something I will feel better or I will feel more worthy or I will feel enough when I hit this point. And actually for me, the work I do with clients, I call self-deepening. So it's still growth, but it's growing and expanding inwards instead of stretching outwards. So it's kind of just giving people the space to start thinking about themselves. I think we exist in this world that just makes this assumption or almost conditions us into believing that we should just intrinsically know who we are and why we do what we do. And again, as humans, we tend to identify with the conscious, thinking that we're very intentional about about how we show up. But the thing is, is that only 5% of our experience is intentional consciousness. 95% of how we are, how we show up, what we think about, what we do is actually driven by the subconscious and the unconscious. And so actually a lot of what we do and the habits that we have, we didn't choose. A lot of them we picked up along the way, the first seven years of our life through parents and carers and society. And so the work I do more than anything is just to give people that space and that validation that they're allowed to stop and just spend some time with themselves, have some introspection, try and think about, okay, so in any aspect of my life, why... Does my life look the way that it does? Say it's relationships. Why do I end up attracting this type of partner? Or why do I feel this way in relationships? Or say it's food and fitness. You know, why do I end up binge eating, or why do I end up um, you know, doing really well with diets? And then just as I'm hitting or getting close to my goal, I start to sabotage it, right? Like there's reasons that we do this, and often we don't get given the time and space to actually stop and think. How empowering to know that about myself, how empowering to stop being a victim to that 95% and actually start becoming intentional and thinking, okay, if I think to my future and I think who is the best version of me, how do they show up? How do they show up at work, in friendships, in relationships, in fitness and health, and then What do they do? How do they believe? What thoughts do they have? What habits do they have? And painting that picture and getting people to tap into that knowing. Because the thing is, once you ask someone to do that, you get them to close their eyes, you take them on that meditation or that hypnosis, they have a picture. They Mm -hmm. know, like, that's the thing. Everyone knows that version of them that they know that they could be. And so for me, my work is getting them clear on that getting them excited to that, getting them connected to that and then working backwards and figuring out, okay, how do we rewire your brain so that you become that person instinctively both when you're thinking about it, but also when you're not.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's so similar to kind of like how I'd view it too. It's like, yeah, getting really crystal clear on that future you, but then Mm -hmm. looking at where is the gap and how do we fill the gap between now and then? Mm So do you have any kind of like tips and tricks for if someone's listening, how they can start to fill that gap and get closer to that next level version of them?
1: Yeah, so I think the really simple things to do is start asking yourself questions, right? Start tasking your brain, your subconscious prefrontal lobe with questions. Like what would it feel like to experience living a life that makes me feel so good when I wake up in the mornings and seeing the picture, right? What would it feel like to experience, um, loving the way that I show up in friendships and relationships? What would it feel like to build a business of my dreams? What would it feel like to love exercise and eating healthily? right? So something that's really powerful is asking yourself questions and seeing what comes up and holding space for that, because that in itself is, is clarity. Um, other things I would recommend would be, yeah, and I think just on that, visualizations and imagination are so, so powerful. I think it's not something we do enough. Uh, something I'm doing personally and myself is a lot of inner child healing at the moment mm-hmm. and reconnecting with that playfulness, that fun, because I think something we lose as we get older, but there is so much power in that. And especially from an identity authenticity perspective connecting with who you used to be before the world told you who you should be is incredibly empowering um and then another thing i'd really like it's kind of a hack because this stuff is hard right like you right. are fighting against habits that you've had entrenched for the last 20 30 years of your life so hack i still use is eft which stands hmm. for emotional freedom techniques um, and if any of you are listening and are interested, I have a couple of videos I've pre-recorded that I share with clients that I'd be happy, more than happy to share with you that are 10 minute videos that can get you from a state of anxiety to confidence. So sometimes, you know, if you're going to do a presentation or a podcast or something that, that brings up some anxiety, you can tap along with this video I've recorded and literally shift your state from anxiety to confidence in about 10 minutes. And I have another one from procrastination to motivation. I think that's another one as well as that sometimes, even when we know the life that we're trying to build and whatever angle of our life we're trying to build it in, we can get hit with that self-sabotage, procrastination, distraction, because it's something that we want, right? So our ego is fighting us. So I also use EFT for those days as well, because um, our emotions, our energy, like our energy can get trapped in our body and it can make things really, really hard. So this is a really, really quick way to just completely shift how you're feeling and just make it easier for you to continue moving in the direction that you choose to move in.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I know I've tried tapping a few times and Mm -hmm. the shifts are pretty powerful. Yeah. And I love what you said about procrastination, just being the ego getting in the way, because Mm -hmm. I think society says like, oh, procrastination means you're lazy, but really it's just like a protective mechanism. Is that what you believe as well?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it can be so nuanced and obviously it depends on the person and the situation. But yeah, I think often procrastination. um, So for one, if it's in this, in the form of distraction, it, it can be a habit. I think this is another thing I talk a lot about at the moment that I've realized is this concept of practice, right? How important practice is. And for many of us, what we have practiced is abandoning ourselves and we've Mm -hmm. practiced distracting ourselves. So if you think, you know, you sit down to do a big piece of work or write a proposal for a client or whatever it is, and it's scary because you're putting yourself out there and you want something. And we've got into the habit of when something brings up a strong emotion, we we'll try and move away from that feeling We'll distract ourselves. So we'll check our phone or we'll see if there's a text or we'll find ourselves on Instagram or like going on Spotify to find a new song. And like, we are very well versed in how to distract ourselves. So it's like procrastination is one of those things that, yeah, sometimes it's moving away from a feeling that we don't want. And also it's a habit. Like many of us have formed the habit of procrastination. We do, again, it's back to that unconscious, subconscious. We don't even realize we're doing it. We're on Instagram. We go off Instagram. We go to do work. Two seconds later, we're like, "Why is Instagram in my hand I can again?" Right? To this like one, it's, for sure. yeah. I'll throw exactly. myself under the bus. <laughs> it's a thing. I'm sorry. I'm right there with you. Like it's it's yeah, and it's that. This is what I'm saying. Is like often we are victim to those unconscious and subconscious habits that we're like. Why is this happening? So there's such power in getting still enough to start unpacking them and thinking, okay, is that getting me closer to to who I wanna be and to live the way I wanna live? Odds are probably not. So how can I think about building a more healthy habit and how can I start showing up so that my default is actually to get the work done and then Instagram I'll come to like sometimes, but Instagram being the thing we forget, not the thing that we actually want.
0: Yeah, totally. I think most people can relate to this one because social media, Instagram, it's like meant to trap us and have us Mm -hmm. like be glued to it. So Mm -hmm. we're like fighting also just kind of like the programming of what these apps are meant to do because like they know like the people that create it that we're going to be addicted.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That is their goal, right? That is their goal. They're good at it. So it's like we have to start thinking about how we can protect ourselves, right? How we can think strategically because, yeah, 100% that success for them is us addicted to it.
0: So how would you kind of go about breaking? Like, let's use this Instagram example. That habit, is it just getting really clear on who you want to be and just being more conscious or do you have other kind of ways to go about it?
1: Yeah, there's a few ways. So there's like, there's just the like, uh, for me, something I did recently is I took the whole month of May off Instagram because, and I deleted it from my phone. Because for me, it was like taking that time away was a way that I could start breaking that habit. Like I'd got to the point where it was just instinctively, I'd be on it without even realizing it. And again, it was a habit. I had practice, So I practiced for the month of May, not being on it. But another thing you could do if you want a less extreme thing is realizing, and I, I talk about riding the wave. So often you'll find before you end up Doing something that will be a nudge, right? So say you sit down at your computer and you're like, right, I really need to get this piece of work done. You start typing and you will start to feel this like pull of like, check Instagram, check Instagram. Was that a notification? Is that a notification? Check Instagram, right? Becoming aware of that is power. The second thing is riding the wave so you don't have to go completely cold turkey straight up it might be that you're like okay I can feel that I'm going to tell myself that I will check Instagram in two minutes time right or I will check Instagram after I do four lines of writing or I would check Instagram after five and the thing is every day you can extend that time period but what you are doing is you are starting to break that pattern you are starting to give yourself more power of like not instinct instinctively reacting to something so that's one way you can do it is like whole turkey where you just go hardcore because the thing is after a month that wasn't my default like I'd forgotten that Instagram was even a thing that I would check it just was out of my habits the second thing is riding the wave so being aware of that and then giving yourself like time periods and over time you can go all the way to like when I feel that feeling of. I'll check it in 30 minutes. And odds are the feeling subsides. It's like a wave, it crashes, it peaks, and then it falls. So often if you just tell yourself, oh, I'll do it in X amount of time, by the time you get to it, you no longer want it. So it's a way to break the habit. Um, And then ways that I would work with clients is there's some really cool subconscious reprogramming. So yeah, when you link it to the level of identity, there's, uh exercises you can do so a technique I use a lot is called a swish technique yeah, that, that basically <laughs> exactly gets you into that state and gets you into the behaviors of the person that you are becoming so it might be that that person checks instagram twice a day at dedicated times where they perhaps post for work or they make sure that they're not there Carrying any dms or whatever but they're not the type of person that needs to be on the app and they make the app work for them not the other way around so you can use subconscious reprogramming and reprogram that type of behavior into people as well
0: i love it yeah it's interesting because when you were saying all this i'm like oh yeah that's like how i teach clients to do with food
1: but Mm -hmm. like when
0: i then it's just switching instagram and food but it's like yeah it's different when you're like in the habit because i can to (laughs) yeah yeah I love that. So I want to circle back to the identity piece. Mm -hmm. So how would one kind of go about just finding their identity? I mean, I know this is a loaded question, but I think like when you ask someone like, oh, tell me about yourself, they'll be like, oh, you know, like I'm a mom of two kids. I'm a wife, you know, like they'll start with all these labels. But so how do you get to the point where it's like, I am whatever, and like finding that core identity.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the power for me, like the, the first thing is like my work and the conversations I have, and I, I, I call it identity consciousness or self-consciousness is this idea of like, I do not reach a one way fits all. Like the, the main success for me is people just thinking about it. Because I think for so many of us, we just exist on autopilot and auto drive. And a lot of who we see ourselves as, we didn't actually choose. A lot of the way that we describe ourselves, if you trace it back to when you decided that, it often came from someone else telling us that, oh, you're so this, or you're so that, or you do this. And actually, for me, however you define yourself, and if it comes from you and it feels good for you, that is who you are. And it's going to change. Like, for me, it's identities. Like you are allowed to be fluid with it. You are allowed to lean into all of it. I think something that I really passionately speak out against is this concept of having to be one thing. And I think that was where my issue stemmed from was this belief. I am not one thing. I am black and I am white. Mm -hmm. My issue is that we exist in a world that needs people to fit neatly into boxes. And so a lot of my issues was that I fell through the cracks. I felt like I could only identify with one side of myself, which meant I was never being all of myself, which meant there was always issues because that hollowness I felt from me not embracing my fullness, I then looked for outside of myself. So for me, it's like actually just embracing and being kind to yourself and acknowledging you can be all of it. You can be this and that and this, and you can be different around certain people. And that's all okay, it's just feeling like you chose it, and being aware of it, and spending some time to just get still, and think, who who am I, and who do I want to be, and did I choose that, and if I didn't choose that, how can I change that, how can I start showing up in a way that makes me feel good, and sitting with that awareness that it might not make other people comfortable, but that's okay, because by you unapologetically showing up as all that you are, you are going to give so many other people permission to do the same. And it creates this like beautiful snowball effect of people being like, oh, okay, like I love that she's embracing this side of her. And like, even though I didn't really expect this from her, like it makes sense. And like, now I see her doing this, I'm going to do this. Or now I see him doing this, I'm going to do this. Or now I see them doing this, I'm going to do this. And so that's what I want to do is like less about, people feeling like they have to create this very neat identity that fits in a box, more people feeling empowered to just get still enough to start exploring it for themselves and embracing as much of it as they see fit.
0: Mm, I really, really love that. Yeah. There's so many boxes. It's like Mm -hmm. crazy. Even within like the personal development community, it's like, oh, I'm into personal development or like, I'm not working on myself. It's like, how about we're like integrating? I don't even know, how that just kind of like came mm-hmm. to my head. I feel like there's mm-hmm. always like something like, oh, I'm working on this part of my healing journey or like, I'm gonna start this project in my business. There's never like this fluid area. So those are just like yeah. some things
1: I'm thinking of. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like it's literally human nature, right? Like we and and it makes sense because when you link it back to the brain, it's like that's how it works. It distorts, right. it generalizes, it deletes, it categorizes things, and to make the world easier, our brain has learned. Okay, put things in boxes. Like this is a door, this is a table. But the issue is that when it comes to humans, and in and and human centered concepts, it can be so limiting. So. And it's a messy when you don't do that. Like, even for me with my practice, like I approach identity from stories. So I approach it from very much like race rooted conversations about mixedness. I approach it from subconscious. So that idea of kind of like consciousness versus subconsciousness, I approach it from psychology. So you said I study self and identity at Harvard. So there's the academic understanding of identity, like And it's messy because there's a lot and, but I think that's where the real richness is, is then people can find things that work for them. They can find the pieces that they resonate with and that validates their experience. And yeah, I'm just like here for more messiness because I think that's where like the beauty and the joy is and the life, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's actually how you can get to your identity is just being messy and like exploring these parts of you that are repressed and that may not be so, like upfront. You know, like the mm-hmm. typical labels, like oh, I feel like it's just so common. When you're like, oh, like tell me about yourself, you'll immediately label yourself. And
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the labels are okay, like the labels work sometimes that's the level that you need to be at and like again it's so funny when someone says who are you it's it's such an interesting study to see the first few things that people will say but also will will be primed right so if you are with your friends the first few things that will come up will be different to if you were in an interview will be different to if you were on a date would be different to if you were doing a presentation or and that's okay right like we we almost have to find that balance of like understanding that sometimes labels can be harming, but also sometimes they're exactly what we need because they help us get the information across or help us build rapport with people that have similar, like it's just finding comfort in the nuance of it all, which is very hard. But I think like that's something I'm trying to practice and do more with the work that I do in the conversations I have with clients.
0: Yeah, totally. So is there like a way to really answer that question who are you I don't know Um, I guess what I'm asking is like I feel like when you ask that people will be like oh I'm a friend of this person or I'm the parent of this person but like what is kind of the goal answer when you do this kind of work
1: to answer in a way that feels good for you right like there is not there is not a one-size-fits-all approach if it feels good for you And it feels true to who you are. And and again, it might change. The way that feels good to you on a Wednesday might not be the same way that feels good to you on the Saturday of that week. Again, that's okay. It's being able to not be scared of that question. I think that's the thing is that that question is a big question. It is a big question. And it can be a scary question. And I think sometimes people start second guessing themselves: like, who am I? Like, did I did I answer that right? I think right. for me, success is someone being able to stand so true and confident in however they answered it regardless of the response they get from the other person. And it feels good for them. And they're like, do you know what? I answer that question for me, not for you. And it feels good to me. And I like who I say that I am. And like, again, it's sometimes work I do with my clients because it's a great, great way to think what answer would feel good for you. And then we work at the level that at the end of our work, if I was to say, who are you? they know who they are because they've been working on it for the last few weeks because they've been choosing it because they've been thinking about it because of the definition that they give, they know it came from them. It didn't come from other people. That's good. When you feel good answering that question, it's not about how you answer it. It's the way you feel when you answer it. Like that's, that's the success from there.
0: I love that. That's a very, very good point. (laughs) Yeah, because I like that you also mentioned you might be different on Wednesday than you are on Saturday because I can so relate to that. I feel like I change my perception or my view of things so quickly. And mm-hmm. I can just have all this rapid growth that people in my life almost can't keep up. Because they're be like, oh, I thought you did this. And I'm like, no, I haven't done that in like two months <laughs> or something. But it's like, that's okay. It doesn't have yeah. to be so like this or that.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it works for you. And like, as long as you, and again, I'm saying all this and it's like, it's not easy. Like we exist right? in a world, like our identity is also an amalgamation of how we think other people see us. And other, and, and we, from the vast majority of us will never be able to escape that. We're always gonna be kind of aware of how the world sees us and how the world labels us. And like, let's not pretend that we don't live in a world that not everyone gets the same start in life. And right. we, you know, we can't be naive to the fact that like everyone gets to just decide who they are. Like we don't all get the luxury of being our full selves in all spaces and feeling safe doing it. Like I need to acknowledge that. But I think mm-hmm. for me, it's it's also being able to decide that you still have the power yourself to define how you see yourself. And I think when you get clear on who you are, other people's opinions of you matter less because mm-hmm. you're so grounded in your truth that you can be like, okay, cool. I'm not going to take that on as my truth but you're entitled to experience me that way. But I know that this is who I am. Whereas I think what can be hard is when you don't have that strong sense of self, you can be shaken so much by how other people see you. And that's when it's kind of like the disempowering thing. So it's just like finding that strength and knowing like, yeah, even if I'm different to you, that's fine. And I don't need you to be like me and I don't need you to necessarily like all of me as long as I like me and I like the way that I show up.
0: Yes. I love that. Yeah. Something that just kind of came to me is I feel like, you know, as kids, we're often like always told things like, oh, you're too much. Mm. You're intelligent. Like it can even be a compliment. Yeah. And then we kind of like take that on. So I feel like that's such a common thing with like women is being told like, oh, you're too much. And then we like dim ourselves down Do you find that with like the women you work with, you see this as a common pattern?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So I talk about it quite a lot in this idea of overcorrecting, like we get Mm -hmm. taught to overcorrect, which is the idea that like as kids, the first few years of our lives, we just like, we just are who we are, right? We just exist. If you want to wear the Spider-Man outfit to school, we're going to wear the Spider-Man outfit to school. Like we, we, we're brutal. We're blunt. We're honest. We know who we are. And we just live. And then we hit a point where the world starts telling us like, oh, no, 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 you can't wear that. Or like, oh, no, no, you need to act this way. And like, oh, you should hang out with these people. And like, oh, no, don't say that. That's rude. Or, oh, don't do that. That's selfish. And we get taught that our instincts are wrong. We get taught to overcorrect. So we start to learn that actually whatever we instinctively thought was true probably isn't. So we learn to ask other people's opinions, like, should, like, is this, is this right? Like, should I do this? Should I do that? And it can start again, thinking about women. Like I talk about with my clients quite a lot. It can be things like an outfit, right? And there's, there's nuance, but sometimes we find ourselves wearing something, we'll put it on. We feel so good in it, but we'll ask our friend's opinion and our friend's yeah. like, mm, are you know, and then we find ourselves being like, yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to wear that. And it's seeing those moments as really great learning opportunities and it's hard. But to be able to hear that opinion from that friend, respect it and be like, okay, cool, but I like how I feel in this. So I'm going to wear it because that is a moment where you can choose yourself or abandon yourself, right? And it's like, for me, you know, we talked about it at the beginning, like this idea of that voice, it's like, we have to practice listening to our intuition because for most of us, we've had most practice in ignoring it. Right. So it's a relationship. And if you've ignored someone for a long time, odds are they're probably going to stop talking to you. There's probably not going to be a great relationship there. Right. So it's like learning and finding those small moments where you can start to rebuild that relationship with your intuition. So I think eating and food is a great one. It's like starting to listen to when you're hungry. Eat when you're thirsty, drink. If you're not hungry, don't eat, right? It's like that's listening to that inner voice or wearing an outfit where you're a bit scared, but it makes you feel good. So you wear it. And then because over time, those things, those small things compound. And not only do you start feeling more like yourself, not only do you start respecting yourself more. So your self worth starts to increase, you start to get confident, but you'll start hearing your intuition more and more and more because it's like, oh, okay. They're finally listening to me then. Like, And then that's when it like starts, like beautiful things start to happen where you start showing up in a way where you're like, I just feel good. Like, or I just feel like myself. And it's not this big dramatic moment where one day you're not yourself and the next day you are. It's like these really small, powerful moments that just one day you are like, man, I feel good. And I always have that moment with clients and it always happens at very different points, but there will be a day where we'll we'll get on a call and they're like, I just feel good. Like, I just feel like me. And you can't really explain it. It's different for different people. But that moment where they're just like, this is how I feel like I've known I could feel for a long time. And I'm like starting to feel like it. And like, yeah, it's like the best moment.
0: Yes. Oh my God, that is literally the best. I love that. Yeah, I definitely feel that with the intuition thing it is such a relationship mm-hmm. and it's like starting building it in like the small ways and like an analogy I like to use it's like oh, if you haven't talked to a friend since middle school then you try like calling them they're like what it's like the same with your intuition
1: <laughs> yeah I love that yeah it's like right like, what like uh, oh, oh you want to hang out now <laughs> <laughs> right but it's, it's waiting. It is waiting. Yeah,
0: exactly. It is. I know this is an exercise. I had a coach just tell me recently that I think is good to share with people listening to this for like intuition is going on a walk without your phone. So just like going on an intuitive walk and like listening to your intuition, like which steps do I want to take? Like, do I want to turn here? And like, obviously Like doing it during the daytime so you feel safe, et cetera, or like having your phone on airplane mode if you like need the safety measures, but just going on a walk without like listening to the podcast or the music or scrolling and letting your intuition guide it.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I think the other thing as well is like, it's so funny. Meditation is such a funny one. So I've meditated Mm -hmm. on and off for years, right? But I was talking to my friend about it the other day. I don't think I fully understood the power of meditation until about two or three weeks ago. And I've been doing this for years, but it's that, right? It's that ability to sit and observe. And also, you know, those distractions, those urges, those thoughts in your head that are like, I'm so bored. This is so boring. This is rubbish. Nothing nothing is happening. The ability to sit through that is success right? It's again, breaking that patterning that we talk about, breaking that habit of reacting when we hear that voice. And actually, instead of being driven and controlled by our thoughts and what goes on in our heads, we become the self observing them. So again, from an identity self perspective, It's really empowering starting to step outside or step back from the thoughts and the feelings of your body and your mind, because actually that's not necessarily who you are. You are the person that feels that you are the person that thinks that, but you aren't that. So I think, yeah, in the same way of like the walk is really powerful because it's free of distraction. I find meditation similar as well as like being able to just get still enough to see what's going on in your head and your body.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: That so much of our brain energy doesn't actually get to go on our jobs. It's going on thinking about our identity, how we're being perceived. Are we being too loud? Are we being too this? Are we being too that? And if you think about it as a muscle, by the end of the day, we're going to be exhausted, or we're not going to be able to show up with the same brain energy as perhaps people that don't have to think about it. So it's a completely different lens, but a very empowering and important way to think about how we exist as self in the society that we exist in. Um, And I think it just gives more understanding for like why we do what we do and actually realizing that like, that's not just a you thing, right? Like you're not, I think as humans, we often think like, oh God, like there's a lot of shame around, is that just me? Like, do I just feel this way? Is it just, it's like, no. (laughs) There's thousands and thousands of people that have been studied by very, very smart people who've read a lot of books and actually like, it's a thing, right? Like we do these things as humans. So it was fascinating. Really, really
0: fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I'm like so intrigued. That is so cool. Cause I had no idea that there were people even studying like this in Mm -hmm. the world, which is so cool.
1: (laughs) Oh, and my professor is oh, she is incredible. But yeah, she's like done all the things—masters, PhD. She specialises in identity in the workforce, um, and specifically unconcealed stigmatised identities. So again, this is something I'm really passionate about, which is this concept of stigmatised identities, right? And you know, stigmatised are the ones that the ones that are visually obvious right Mm -hmm. so it could just be being like people of color or people with disability but concealed stigmatized identities are people that have an identity that they know that society would maybe judge so it could be mental health issues it could be a history of crime or a family member that has a history of crime Um, and the impact that having an identity that you can hide but you still know is going to be stigmatized by society, how that impacts how people show up in themselves and their confidence in the world and the workforce. But yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting.
0: Wow, that is so cool. I'm sure that could be a whole long no, conversation yeah, on it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely.
1: And as I'm actually, that's what my podcast is about. It's going to be starting to, uh, for my final project, it was the fact that I was like, a lot of this stuff is too hidden right like Mm -hmm. who not everyone should have to go to an educational institution to learn about this stuff why is this in the archives like why do more people not have access to this why are we not having conversations about this so uh the podcast i'm gonna launch is gonna start to unpack a lot of those theories and studies that i was learning just so that again to my point up front if if nothing comes of this if it just makes someone more aware or they start thinking like hmm I'm curious. I'm going to look into this or I'm going to think about this within the context of myself. That for me is success.
0: That is. Wow. I can't wait to listen. I'm very curious (laughs) already.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah. I just love knowing how people think. And like, of course, everyone has a different lifestyle and upbringing. So everyone's mind just works so uniquely.
1: (laughs) Mm Yeah. hundred percent. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, this conversation was so amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for hours <laughs> on end and just learn so much valuable information, but I know the audience is going to want to get more of you, whether that's your social media or podcast or whatever else you're working on. So what is that? Where can people connect with you?
1: Yes. Um, so I'd say the best way to find me is probably Instagram. Um, I am a human. So please, if there's anything that resonated with you or you have questions, DM me. I love talking about this stuff. Um, and you can find me at Lauren Aisha RC. So that's spelled L-A-U-R-E-N-A-I-S-H-A-R-C. We'll um, and I'll- <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. And I'll, yeah, I'll be talking about all things identity and all the podcast updates will be posted on there. And I'm actually currently doing, um, free 30 minute self-clarity sessions. So I love this stuff. And as I said up front, just someone starting to think about things is a win for me. And essentially what it is, is a condensed 30 minute free session of my framework, which is no choose known. Um, Come, message me, bring a topic, something that you're curious about your identity. And within 30 minutes, we will, get into it unpack it and try and find a way for you to show up in a way that feels better for you so if you're interested again uh information is all on instagram it's just link in my bio
0: amazing that'll all be linked in the show notes as well so you can find it easily (laughs) well thank you so much lauren for coming on the show i enjoyed having this conversation and having you on here
1: thank you so much for having me i've absolutely loved it